This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, it's Casper. And Becky. From the DFWTO podcast. If you've been a longtime listener, you know how much mental health means to us. Mental health actually plays a role in many horror films, especially the final girl subgenre. Whether it's Nancy facing her nightmares and defeating Freddy, or Sydney taking out Ghostface to overcome the trauma of and avenge her mother's death. Not only are horror movies a huge comfort to Casper and I, so is putting our mental health first. And if you agree and you're searching for professional services, let BetterHelp be your guide. BetterHelp will connect you with a licensed therapist who can help you start your journey of self-awareness and discovery. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be flexible and convenient for any type of schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get yourself matched up with a licensed therapist, and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Just like the final girls that triumph over evil, triumph over your trauma with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DFWTO and save 10% off your first month when you sign up today. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash D-F-W-T-O. And remember, guys, don't, don't fuck, fuck with the original. original. Now let's get into the episode. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the DFWTO podcast. I'm your host, Casper. And I'm your other host, Becky Gremlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because... Wednesdays are for podcasts. And you guys, so we have already discussed Mothman as a cryptid. We discussed it, actually, one of, or very early on, we discussed Mothman. Um, And we did talk a lot about the um, story behind, you know obviously where Mothman came from, but since we have started our new series where we're talking about um, movies and actual based on a true story, like what's behind them, we really, we talked about the Mothman prophecies, but we didn't. It was more or less just kind of like, yeah, Mothman prophecies, and that was it. (laughs) But um, we wanted to take a deep dive into the film itself since it was based on the true story of what happened with Mothman and the bridge in uh, Point Pleasant and um, kind of talk, dive more into the film itself since we've been doing, since we did Silent Hill and um, Chernobyl Diaries. Yeah, I, uh, it was fun to watch this movie again. I hadn't seen it in so long. I forgot how good it was. I Same. forgot how I forgot how traumatic the the bridge scene is at the end. I was telling my fiance, I was, fiance, really, really I was really like, shocked. I have horrid anxiety right now, and I know what's coming. Yeah, I'm like, I know what's going to happen. It's literally history, but I'm yeah. like sitting there, literally taking my nails off. Well, it fucked with it fucked with me and my husband a lot because we went there and we've been across the new. Silver Bridge, because that's the only way you can get into Point Pleasant from Galapagos. You actually have to cross two bridges because you cross two rivers. So that was fun. Um, I know you love <laughs> someone, that. Someone that's fucking terrified of bridges. I was like, great! Um, I was heavily medicated, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and so, but we we actually went to the site where the bridge the original silver bridge was where it collapsed and there's like a river wall there and there's a like mural uh paintings it's a beautiful town to visit like honestly i really 
think people should go. Like, it, it's a really cute town. Um, the museum was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, there's like a plaque there and you can actually, so like seeing the end of the movie and knowing what was coming. And I just thought, and I remember telling my husband, like how I couldn't imagine people that are still alive that remember what that happened or like were alive at that time. And we're watching this movie. And that to me would seem so traumatic because that, that scene in the movie is really realistic. It's, it's very, very good. Very realistic. It's it's really haunting because that that's the one part of the movie that's factually true. Except the only thing they got wrong was how many people actually died and that they didn't know what caused it. But they didn't know ultimately what caused it. But um, So the movie itself came out in 2002. And it's actually based on a book that came out in 1975 by John Keel. And John Keel was a parapsychologist and UFOologist that did extensive research into Mothman, um, living in Point Pleasant, interviewing people that had had uh, experiences there and, um, and everything. But he ultimately felt like... Um, so his thing with UFOs was that they are not an alien, like out of this world, like from another planet, but that they were actually more interdimensional. And he thinks that that is more of the basis of Mothman, that where the TNT factory is in Point Pleasant, where most of the sightings were coming from, that there was some type of portal there that Mothman was traveling in and out of because um, he was also seen... Uh, Oh, I just lost my train of thought. He was seen mostly around the TNT factory, but also in other parts of the country, not just in West Virginia. So that's where he believed the portal was, quote unquote, that Mothman would travel through from Point Pleasant to other areas. Um, that's even mentioned in the movie, actually. On the, the There's a character that's supposed to be uh, Leak, because the John Klein character in the movie that Richard Gere plays and there's Alexander Leak, which is an author that he uh talks to about what's going on in Point Pleasant they're kind of a both of those characters mesh together is actually supposed to be the characters that represent the real John Keel because the book itself was really more of just the way the book was set up it wasn't set up as a linear story like the movie it was basically set up as like a journal style because it had um different accounts of things that had happened to him and things that happened to other people there were reports of uh mutilated pets and animals animals out in the woods that he saw that he was witness to and pictures that people had shown him um phone calls he did get a lot of phone calls that was a really intricate part of his story too is that there were phone calls that he was receiving um that not only he believed were coming from one particular person or entity or whatever, but he also, and I think we talked about this in our Men in Black episode, that that he believes that he was followed or contacted by the mysterious government group that is the Men in Black that comes into, not like the movie, but comes into like, you know, basically quell any stories about anything 
paranormal or UFO or, or anything. Like it's all out now. It so um, yeah, everybody knows now. So no more of that. Um, but we've talked but about the real the John past. Keel passed away uh, July third, two thousand and nine. But the man was just really like what the really extensive research that he did about the Mothman is is based on a lot, if not all, of what we know about Mothman today just with his own experiences as well. And we've talked about that in the past with like, especially skinwalkers um, and things like that, how they're, we feel like they're interdimensional and things like that. And you know, is being younger, I, feel, I look back on younger me and I'm like, if you would have thought this shit when you were younger, like I would have laughed at my older self, but I'm like, it makes so much more sense. It makes a lot of sense. And so many things that point to it make a lot of sense. And it's just, it makes a lot of sense for these things because it's like, okay, why is it that you have like the same exact creature, but just ever so slightly different for different cultures, different right. people, different areas, different uh, over different spans of time. It just makes well, you wonder, yeah. you know, it just really, it really makes you wonder, is it the same thing that's appearing to people differently? Is it a bunch of different things? Like where's the cryptid party at? Just a real quick uh, cutaway. Um, this is not a sponsor or anybody that we know, but I just wanted to say, uh, to, to go back to the Skinwalker thing, if anybody was really into Skinwalker Ranch or really into the show or really wanting to know more about Skinwalker Ranch, um, I really urge, if you can listen or watch long form interviews, I really, really urge everybody to watch this. Uh, the Sean Ryan show, if you just go on YouTube and search Sean Ryan show, it was episode 70. He interviewed the owner, Brandon Fugel, Fogel. Um, he interviewed the owner of Skinwalker Ranch. It's about a three and a half, four hour interview, minus the ads. Um, I really, really urge, there is stuff that he talked about and that he went more in depth on that they did not get into on the show. Cause a lot, you know, cut for time, editing, what have you. But I really urge if you can sit down and listen to long form interviews or watch it. Um, it's also available on Spotify if people don't want to watch it on YouTube, but it's Sean Ryan, S-H-A-W-N, Sean. Uh, search Sean Ryan's show on YouTube or Spotify. It's episode 70 with Brandon uh, Fugel, uh, Fogel, F-U-G-A-L, um, the owner of Skinwalker Ranch. I really urge people to listen to that interview. It is crazy. The story of that place, the story of how he got involved in it, the things that they've seen there. And this is somebody that was a complete and total non-believer, complete skeptic, non-believer at all and had the the most intense firsthand experiences with ufo with unidentified crafts out there the the mute the animal mutilations everything like I, if you guys are really into that story i urge you to listen to it it's you know, a wild I love, it's I love, a wild story and it's a great interview i'm i'm for one i i really love long form interviews i really do you get so much more information with things like that and this one is sean ryan's a really good interviewer he asks all the right questions 
really it oh it, sh it it was crazy it was crazy to listen to it really really was that whole thing is just really wild i feel like cryptids and ghosts when they're like skeptic they're like uh, we'll see how that you is know and he's working down. with like military guys mm -hmm. and doctors and engineers and i mean these are like high level intelligence you know and it, like and even he himself this is like you know what i mean like mm -hmm. he didn't even want when they were originally talking about doing a show he didn't even want his name attached to it because he was so worried that it was going to affect his business his family people were going to think he was cuckoo like but then it got to the point where he was like i don't care i don't care he takes no profit from any of it from the show or anything like that it all goes back into the research but he's like because he's self you know he's got money but it just like he's like you know i was such a i thought to myself though if i wasn't involved that it would make people like maybe not believe in me even more mm -hmm. because i'm this mysterious owner or what i remember when that whole shit was going on mm -hmm. and he didn't have his name out and he had that shell company that was named after had the wolverine type i remember Anna, that animanium llc <laughs> and you were like fucking wolverine the what? what the fuck because his name wasn't attached to it and all that shit was yeah so please watch that interview again this is no sponsor i don't know sean ryan but it just if you love long form interviews and you got really into the sky or skinwalker ranch there i go because i think i did that when we were skywalker ranch i want to call it that it's very um, easy to do please i i just urge anybody to listen to that episode it was it was wild but um back to mothman prophecies so the movie itself just to give a quick synopsis, uh, it's the story of John Klein, who was played by Richard Gere, who's a reporter researching the legend of the Mothman, still shaken by the death of his wife two years earlier, uh, and his wife is played by Deborah Messing. Um, That's her name. Yeah. From I was like, who Will, is that? From Will and Grace. <laughs> um, she died from a glioblastoma, that is a brain tumor. Klein is sent to cover a news piece and ends up inexplicably finding himself in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, where there have been sightings of an unusual creature and other unexplained phenomena. As he becomes increasingly drawn into mysterious forces at work, he hopes that he can reconnect him, that they can reconnect him to his wife, while the local sheriff, played by Laura Lenny, becomes concerned about his obsessions. Also, can, real quick, can we talk about Laura Lenny? Why is it I forget I she exists? And then all of a sudden, I watch something she's in, and I'm like, she has the most calming voice. I don't know what it is about her voice. I can't explain it, but her voice literally could put me to bed. I loved her in The Exorcism of Emily Rose. I loved she her in that so much. Nailed. Holy shit. She is so good at playing characters like that, mm -hmm. of these, like, women that, like, take charge. Like, just a quick, like, fun fact. So, there was never a woman sheriff. Um in the actual Point Pleasant, West Virginia. But I think it's so amazing that that she, as a woman, was cast in that role when they very easily could have cast a man. But she brought such a calming presence to the movie, juxtaposed with John's character that Richard Gere plays that is in a constant state of just panic and worry and all this crazy stuff that's going around him, how he even ended up in Point Pleasant dealing with the death of his wife still grieving two years later like there's just a lot and i think it was so perfect that she was cast because and i bring that up to say about her voice being so calm because i feel like she was 
her character was the real calming presence that John's character needed. Yeah. So those two together were really perfect on screen. It's um, just wild how she has such a calming voice, but at the same time, just like you said, it's a very take charge. Right. Where it's like she can be very stern and have that bossy sound in her voice, but it's still like it's just fucking captivating. Like she could literally just seduce me with her voice. Like her voice is so like I need I need her to do an audiobook. Cause I would read it. I would read it so read it. I would listen to it so fast. Um Will Patton is also in this. Um, I absolutely love Will Patton. I he's, love Will Patton. He's playing a character that is very similar to other characters he plays he's played before. Um and it just worked so well. It worked so well for him and he plays characters like that so well. Um, I also want to say too that there is going to be a name brought up in this story that um Indrid Cold and I found an article from December of 2021. Anyway, I'm sorry, go on. This article is from uh da- the Daily Yonder, written by Liz Carey. And it's actually about this injured cold. I thought for some reason that this was just made up for the movie until I found this article. And after we read about the movie and then go into a little bit about Point Pleasant, um, I really want to read this article because it's it's crazy that this is an actual like thing that existed that other people have witnessed and how it all ties back in with with Mothman. Um, I also wanted to point out, too, that the timing of this movie is kind of takes place more modern day when the actual events that took place in Point Pleasant were between November of 1966 and December of 1967. So they did get the timing right of having it around Christmas. Um, also, and this was just another little uh, thing of actually being in the real Point Pleasant, West Virginia. I was able to tell rewatching this right off the bat that it was not shot in Point Pleasant. <laughs> um, you could tell if you've been there like very quickly that that's not where it was shot. It was actually shot uh, in and around um, Catanning and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But it, the backdrops are pretty similar. Um, you know, that the majority of all of that area is right, you know, kind of in Appalachia. So it didn't really look all that dissimilar. I guess any like small town would look the same. Like the like a main street that's, you know, an old building. You know, right. that's about all you need. So it was similar enough. But if you've actually been there, it's like, okay, yeah, I can tell that this wasn't Point Pleasant. Um, so basically the movie starts off that John is a Washington Post reporter um, living in Washington, D.C. And him and his wife, played by Deborah Messing, she's Mary. Mary and him uh, just bought this big house. And um, as they're driving away, she sees this, like, giant, basically Mothman, flying right at the car. And they shit there's a car accident um also yeah this was so this was in december so ice whatever car accident and uh she ends up in the hospital well come to find out she has a brain tumor 
like we mentioned, the glioblastoma. And um, over two weeks, she starts having surgery. She has surgery. She has chemo. But she ends up passing away. And when he's going through and cleaning up her hospital room, a nurse just pops in and said that she was drawing angels. And John didn't really understand. And he looked in her journal and there were just all of these drawings of Mothman. Was not angels. Like, I don't. I don't was, know what this man was talking about. I don't either. I was like, that is look not like that? sir. <laughs> no, they were definitely not angels. Um, I should also say too, like I loved how they showed that where she was driving to, there was this construction ahead. So there were these orange barrels that had these like big glowing red reflectors. To sort of like trick your mind into thinking like, okay, well, maybe that's what she saw. But then he looks at the front of the car and it clearly looks like she hit something. There's damage to the front of the car. So it's I, I like how they did that. Because they have your mind thinking, well, maybe that's what she saw. But then like, where did this damage to the car it's like, come Mothman, from? get the fuck out the way. Why are you flying in the cars? Right. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's Christmas. Um... <laughs> So Don't you have somewhere to be. Uh, I I also want to say too that I am glad that this movie didn't have a lot of special effects. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that there really wasn't like a creature. I'm glad that it was more in the head psychological. Um, yeah, because when you show a creature like that and you don't do it right, it can ruin the whole yes. entire film. Yes. Um. So even though this wasn't based on the actual, this part of it wasn't based on the actual book john the the real uh john keel he was not married he did not get married so this like this part of the story is fictional um so two years later john is sent on assignment to interview the governor in richmond virginia so this is interesting because i actually looked on a map and did the math with this so he He's sent on assignment. He decides to leave in the middle of the night and ends up in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And the reason why I, I looked on a map and, and wanted to look this up, because from Richmond, Virginia to Washington, D.C. should have only taken him two hours. Because I think what he left at like one in the morning, mm -hmm. I think is what it said. So he should have been there by three in the morning. He somehow drove six hours and has no idea how he got there and he his car starts acting crazy he pulls off to the side of the road well he doesn't know by this point that he's even in point pleasant he doesn't know where he is he's like in the middle of nowhere he starts his car starts acting crazy he pulls off on the side of the road and he knocks on somebody's door and it's uh will Patton's character i did not write that down his name oh fuck what uh, is his gordon. name gordon he ends up at his house he knocks on the door he says i'm so sorry i know it's late at night my car is messed up and gordon was like it's him i've been waiting for you and he's like what the fuck and he grabs him with a shotgun and locks him in his bathroom um so gordon's wife calls the police and that's when laura lenny's character shows up she is the sheriff um of the town connie she shows up and that's when it Gordon explains that at I think I can't remember if he said that it had been happening 
how many nights it had been happening. Two. But it had happened two, two nights. Two and nights. And he That's was right. waiting for the third night for him to come back. Two nights. So he's waiting the third night. So two nights in a row at the same time every night John has been showing up to his house. And John's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't even, you know, I don't know where I am. I've never seen you before. Yada, yada, yada. So Connie gets him to put the gun down and gets him to leave. And that's when um, he takes him, she takes him into town to a hotel. And uh, that's when he figures out that he's in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Like, how the hell am I driving? She's like, he's like, where are, where am I? And she pointed at the sign and he's, he literally just looked at her like, I don't know where I am. The fuck? I don't know where I am. He's like, what the fuck is Point Pleasant? (laughs) So, um... The next day, he takes his car to... His car is at a body shop. They tell him nothing's wrong with the car at all. So, the next night, he goes back to Gordon's house with the sheriff. Like, okay, I myself didn't show up, so I don't know what's going on. And that's when the sheriff starts explaining to him that there have been really strange things going on in the town. Like, not just with Gordon, but with everybody. And she takes him back to the police station and starts showing him these articles and pictures and drawings from different people that are all associated with Mothman. And when she shows him this drawing, it looks exactly like the drawings that of the creature that his wife saw before she, before she died. So he decides to stay in, in Point Pleasant to investigate. He's letting everybody know at his job in the Washington Post, like, you know, I know I'm supposed to be doing something else, but I want to look into the story, yada, yada, yada. He starts getting these weird phone calls. So this is where it starts getting more into what was actually happening with the real John. That he starts getting these crazy phone calls at his hotel at his hotel room while he's interviewing people around town. He interviews this woman that said she saw the creature right outside her house by this tree. Um, and then the man that he originally encountered, Gordon, Gordon starts having hallucinations. He actually predicts a plane crash in Denver, Colorado that killed 99 people. He said, Denver 99 will die. And they're sitting in this diner and they look at the TV and that's what happened. So he starts having hallucinations and these predictions. Um, So against Gordon's wife doesn't want him to continue to do any of this, but he decides to go to the doctor, have a CT scan done because he's convinced and John's even convinced that he had the same brain tumor that John's wife had. His scans come back completely clear. His doctor says, I can give you some medicine for your migraines, but you don't, you don't have a brain tumor. Like, that's not it. So, like, that doesn't help anything because now John thinks, like, maybe he is going crazy. Gordon thinks he's going crazy. Um, so, Gordon actually works. So, in the movie, they're calling it a chemical plant. It was the TNT plant in the actual uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, uh, that's no longer there. There's a park or a like nature reserve there now. But um, so a few nights after this happens, after the CT scan comes back clear, Gordon is driving home from because I think he works nights uh, at the chemical plant. He's driving home. And he tells John that he sees a man that he claims is the same man that he was getting the phone calls from that told him about the plane crash. And that's when this Indrid Cold name comes up. And Indrid Cold tells him that uh, 300 will die. He gives him this prediction. And the morning paper, there was an earthquake in Ecuador and exactly 300 people died. 
So um, John is with the sheriff again. Gordon calls and apparently put John on the phone with injured Cole. And injured Cole starts. Is it telling, Cole or cold? It's cold. C O L D. Okay. So injured starts telling John really personal details about his wife, um, about himself. And John's like still not understanding what's going on. So he recorded the phone call, had it analyzed. And the voice analysis basically said that whoever injured is, it's not human. Like that's not coming from human Human vocal cords cannot that make that sent a that chill through my that spine too. That was insane. Oh, it it He's was. like, "There's no way this is came from a human," and I'm like, "Okay." It's crazy, even when you hear the voice, because it sounds like an amalgamation of different voices it does. on top of each other. So that's what made it even even crazier. So John ends up finding out a. He meets up in Chicago with a man by the name of Alexander Leake, who has written books about different paranormal events and he's at the point where he feels like this is the only person that can help me and um leek tells him that he believes him he's had things happen to himself and he warned he keeps warning john you need to stay away from point pleasant like something something bad is going to happen so john goes back to point pleasant and connie says to um tells him that there have been 15 more sightings since he's been gone. Um, but he doesn't tell Connie what him and Leek discussed about the Mothman and the origin. I love how name. she's like, what he's saying? He's like, he wouldn't see me. Yeah, he wouldn't see me. Which like, I get, because I guess he's her. just trying not to invoke a panic. Right. You know? Um. So later he gets a call from Gordon that, come to find out later, wasn't from gordon so we don't know who it was from it could have been indrid whatever um so what did you find out real quick about indrid that name indrid cold because so i'm actually very curious so i want to read this article real quick because this article is really crazy and i and i like i said i really thought that this whole story was made up so the article is titled woodrow darenberger and the legend of indrid cold an unsettling encounter on a road in a rural west in rural west virginia was the beginning of a rural legend and a personal tragedy for the man involved things always seem mysterious on chilly fall nights in the country for woodrow darenberger his mysterious encounter with an almost human grinning man on the back roads of west virginia one november night would affect him and his family for almost a quarter of a century in 1966, Woodrow Derenberger was a sewing machine salesman living in Mineral Wells, West Virginia. One November night that year, uh, he was returning from a business, a business trip to Marietta, Ohio. Uh, that's right on the Ohio River. I've actually been there. That's another really cute town. <laughs> when he had to stop to adjust a sewing machine in the back of his truck. Once he got back on the road, he noticed that light. he noticed lights ahead of him. Thinking the lights were police officers, he stopped, only to discover that the lights didn't belong to a car, but to what he said was an aircraft that looked like a kerosene lamp chimney. Woodrow said a man stepped out and approached his truck. He looked perfectly natural and normal as any human being. Um, Derenberger told Ronald Maines during an interview on WTAP-TV in Parkersburg, West Virginia, the day after the encounter. His face looked like he had a good tan, a deep suntan. He was not too dark. But it was just like he had been out in the sun a lot and had a good tan. His hair was combed straight back. It was dark brown and he seemed to have a good thick head of hair. His eyebrows, his face, his features were very normal. I don't believe that he looked any different from any other man that you would meet on the street. 
but he wasn't normal, Woodrow said. He had a large grin and kept his arms folded with his hands under his armpits. And though he spoke to him, his smile never moved. He spoke to Darren Berger telepathically. No. He asked me to roll down the window on my right-hand side of my truck, and I, I had done what he asked, he said during the interview. And this man stood there and first asked me what I was called, and I know he meant my name, and I told him my name, and he asked me, he said, why are you frightened? He said, don't be frightened. We wish you no harm. We mean you no harm. We wish you only happiness, and told... And I told him my name, and when I told him my name, he said his he said his was called Cold. It was Darren Berger's and the world's introduction to the entity known as Injured Cold. Naturally, Darren Berger reported his encounter to the Parkerburg, Parkersburg police. By the next day, the media frenzy surrounding the story took off. Darren Berger agreed to be interviewed on live television on WTAP. Taking part in the interview were members of the state police, representatives of the Wood County Airport, the Parkersburg police, and a representative from wright Pat Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio. For 30 minutes, the men peppered Darren Berger with questions about the strange encounter. After the interview aired, however, others came forward with claims that they had seen a figure matching exactly Darren Berger's description of injured cold. One man reported that a man matching injured cold's description tried to flag him down, but he was too afraid to stop. Other people claimed to see lights in a in fluttering vehicles on the road. Darren Berger said that he talked to Injured on, and several witnesses stopped. Several witnesses reported rather that they had seen Woodrow stopped on the road talking to that man on the same road for the next three weeks. So they must have been people driving by that witnessed them talking. Um, so they were able to back up the story. For the next three weeks, newspapers in the area ran stories about Darren Berger's claims and the claims of others. News coverage eventually died down, but Cold's visitations continued. Darren Berger reported he was visited often by the strange grinning man over the course of the next month. Eventually, Darren Berger's family said that they too had seen Cold and other strange things. Naturally, the media attention given to the story brought locals to Darren Berger's house, hoping to get a glimpse of injured Cold. The attention, as well as the scorn and ridicule he was suffering from, led to Darren Berger to seek medical attention. His physician gave him a clean bill of health and found no evidence of chemical imbalance or disrupt or disruption. Now I'm starting to think that this Gordon character was based off of him. Mm-hmm. Um, although he wrote a book about his visits, nothing good came from Darren Berger's recounting his encounter. In fact, it didn't just negatively affect him, but it affected his family and his friends as well. The family received years of harassing phone calls and blamed lost jobs and friends on Darren Berger's tales of injured cold. Darren Berger sad. Darren Berger suffered from painful headaches and depression, and eventually his wife divorced him. Darren Berger moved away from the area to escape his his notoriety. After years of living somewhere else, however, Darren Berger moved back to the Mineral Wells area before his death in 1990 at the age of 74, 23 years after injured cold supposedly pulled him over on the highway. While he never recounted his statement, he never spoke of them again either. Since then, Darren Berger's account has lingered, propelling injured cold into the realm of rural myths and legends, as well as into tales of the creepy and unknown. After Darren Berger spoke to John Keel, the author of the Mothman Prophecies, the legend of injured cold became linked with Mothman, even as far as appearing in the movie. 
It's difficult to tell if it really happened, said Brian Dunning, author of Skeptoid Magazine, but it's clear that Darren Berger gained nothing from coming forward. Who knows what actually happened to him on that strange night? Dunning said Darren Berger's story did little for him. His obsession with it cost him his job and his wife, and according to Keel, who visited him a year later, they found him hiding behind drawn curtains from what he believed were hundreds of UFO believers and skeptics saying that injured Kolb and his friends frequently visited the farm, often arriving by automobile for long, friendly chats. He had almost certainly become delusional. Cold November nights on lonely rural roads will always be a good setting for mysterious encounters, Dunning said. Rural areas are always the best for best place for creepy tales. It's dark, there's trees and murky creeks, and you are far from the comforting protection of lights and people. After Which is something a skeptic that, would say, but a hundred percent Gordon's character was based off. Him. It was based off. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's so sad. Though. Because later we find out that, um, so after the CT scan, that's right. Gordon's wife had filed uh, to divorce him, mm-hmm. and they think that's what led him to ultimately die. Um, when John in the movie finds him in the woods, you really don't know how he died. Later, they said he died of exposure. But um, when Connie asked him how he even knew where where to find him, um, I think he told him where he was. Or he was... Well, he called, so she said... He'd been dead for at least eight, eight hours. hours. Yeah, it'd been eight hours. And he was like, "What?" And she was like, "I just like I just talked." He to him. it was like he had talked to him an hour ago. Yeah, and that's how he knew where he was. He said something about he had called him and was telling him, you know, like he was out there looking for injured cold or whatever. And then yeah. he he was like, "Yeah, I talked to him an hour ago, but he was pronounced dead eight hours for eight hours." Yeah. So Gordon's character, I firmly believe, was based on Woodrow. Darren Berger. Um, there were links in this article to the actual interview and reports from the interviews that he gave back then. And I think if if he had nothing to gain from this story and even continuing to talk about it years later, it ultimately just ruined his life. It cost him his job, his family, his wife, everything. I think that that's typically when I have more belief because if you had nothing to gain from this, then why keep talking about it? Not only you had nothing to gain, but you were losing everything. Yeah. yeah. It makes it very easy to believe when it's like, what is the per- what, why, why would you lose everything and gain nothing for a story? Yeah, but that, that, that threw me for a loop. Because I didn't read, I did not read John Keel's book Same. Uh, ahead of this. I don't know. I didn't know how much of the book was different uh i love to read i'm just very selective about which books um and i tend i've done more audiobooks my husband listens to audiobooks a lot but i um because i walk a lot i'll listen to audiobooks but i tend to like physical copies of books just very selective about what books i read but um i'm glad i was able to find this article because i did not know about the real life connection between Indrid and this story and i thought that was just part of the movie Indrid cold sounds like such a made up fucking name and then to find out that this that other people have seen him and it wasn't just that that one encounter woodrow saw him for years he kept coming back to him for years imagine being somebody who hadn't come forward about that story and saw the mothman prophecies yeah and was like, 
the fuck? Like, I've seen this man. He sounds terrifying, by the way. If he has some kind of smile and he just talks and his smile doesn't move. So if you ever see a tan man with a smile and (laughs) slick back hair and he doesn't move, like, just don't. Wait a minute. Isn't that 90% of California's population or Florida's population? I'm not ever going to either one. One's about to fall off and one's going to get blown away by hurricanes. So, you know. Um, No. No, I don't want that to happen to those people. I'm just not. I don't want it to happen to those people. I'm just saying. I'm just not going. Like... Literally, Florida had Ever. leprosy. I need, I need Floridians to get get it together. Did you not know that? I did. No, I didn't. Oh, okay, I, I was I like, to stop. yeah. And by the way, before any of you freak out, it was just Florida, and they had they got it under control. But literally, Florida had leprosy. Like, what the fuck? Well, weren't there like homeless camps in California that straight up had the Black Plague? I believe so. From rats. It was well, a fucking plague. I was like, that's great. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's not funny. I'm just like I'm like, the plague, great. What else? What else is coming? The locusts and the flood and every else, every fucking thing else. The killing of the awesome. firstborn. Can awesome. we not? Can we not do that? Ever? I wouldn't die. Well, actually, I would. My husband and I would. <laughs> actually, I would, because I'm my dad's firstborn. Does that matter? What if I you're half? Oh, fuck. I don't no. know what it means. Oh, no. I can't help. But me and Brick would die. Me and my husband would die. I don't want us to die. Okay, my fiance would die. One of my best friends would die. No! Him and I would just go out like the end of Fight Club. Would I just half die? Would I just be... The top or the bottom half? Since I'm my dad's first, but my mom's second? How does that work? (laughs) Can we go this way? You can like the chick on the chick in Beetlejuice? Where it's the... (laughs) The torso... (laughs) Yeah, if I'm going to keep, I guess I would need to keep my That's torso. That's why I said, like, straight, like, horizontal or vertical. <laughs> like, I guess we do. I do kind of want to go horizontal. <laughs> vertical would be rough. That's what she said. <laughs> Cue the office theme music. No. Um. <laughs> I'm over here like, do, 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 do. Anyway. Oh my god. So I I think in the I think when he thought that that was Gordon calling him that that was injured cold. Because if he had just talked to him an hour before and he had been dead for eight hours, that definitely was not Gordon that called him. Because I think we start to figure out that like injured can he mimic can. he can mimic voices. Creepy. It's kind of um, like they almost made injured cold a shapeshifter with Yeah. Mothman. If that makes sense. Which I think all goes back to the real John mm-hmm. Keel believing in I keep thinking you're going to say John Kramer, and inter- it keeps, inter- it keeps fucking me up. I'm sorry. So excited about Saw. It looks so good! That was the chair, not me, but you know, the chair's excited as well. We're all excited. Even the, even the furniture is excited over here. <laughs> um... Even the furniture even is... Yay! The furniture is excited. So... Later, after Gordon dies, um, Connie is trying to look for John. She finds him, and she said there's this woman that showed up that was asking all these questions and saying all these different things that she hopes you're okay and all this stuff. And Connie basically describes exactly what Mary looked like. And John shows her a picture, and she has, like, this shocked look on her face, but then she immediately tries to cover it up and says, well, I mean, it kind of looked like her, and maybe... So, like... I think John is just so screwed up at this point because 
he's he's wanting to believe that now he's wanting to believe that Mary didn't really die and that you know this Andred Cold is somehow connected to all of this and I think he's also feeling like he blames himself somehow for Gordon's death even though that really wasn't his fault but just all these different things I, just that he's going through just grief stricken and, and panic stricken <clears throat> so he decides to go back to Chicago to talk to Alexander Leake again and that's when Leake explains to him that at the time that he was working as a professor pretty much what Gordon was going through he starts to encounter injured Cole and gets strange phone calls, starts hearing voices, hallucinations, making predictions, basically telling him that it almost ruined his life. He lost everything. Um, basically giving John a warning, like, don't let this consume you like it did me. It just complete, it could completely ruin you or kill you. And then gives him, basically gives him the same warning that he gave before. Like, you need something bad is going to happen in Point Pleasant. You need to stay you need to stay away from there. Like, don't don't go back. Um, but what does he do? Of course, he goes back. So I think some sometime in between this, um, Connie tells him about a dream that she had of falling into water and that there were boxes all around her and that she started to feel this peace come over her as she was like sinking into the water and what was it saying to her like 37 wake up 37 wake up 37 wake up 37 so um after he goes back after talking to leek and he goes back to point pleasant um he gets a call from his boss that the governor that he was originally supposed to interview uh is planning on visiting the chemical plant in Point Pleasant. So after he listens to one of the recordings of Indrid Cole, um, there's something on the recordings that says uh, the chemical plant, there's going to be a great tragedy near the chemical plant in Ohio. It doesn't actually say the chemical plant. It just says on the Ohio River. Or on the Ohio River. A great tragedy on the Ohio River. That's what it says. It says a great tragedy on the Ohio River. And that's he automatically thought he the automatically plant. thought it was going to be the chemical plant. Because right. they even brought up the whole Chernobyl thing. Right. Because they were like, they saw him before Chernobyl happened, which right. is not true at all. But right. they were just that, putting it in the film. Yeah, that's never been corroborated. No. But just, you know, I mean, back when this movie came out, that wasn't that long ago that it happened. Right. And, you know, it was easy it is to a kind of put plant, two and so... two together. Right, exactly. So um, he doesn't want Connie to go anywhere near there. He tries to go and warn the governor and kind of ends up sounding like a crazy person. <laughs> and the governor, Which is what Leek told him would happen. Yeah, he told him. He goes, if you try to warn anybody about this, they're going to think you're crazy. Because that's what happened to him. Like, he was having predictions. And anytime he tried to warn anybody, just like what happened to Gordon... Nobody believed him. Even if the predictions came true, nobody believed him. Um, so later he gets a written message that his wife, Mary, is going to call him. So, and he's just like convinced that that's what's going to happen. He's convinced it's going to happen, that this was from injured cold. So he drives back to his home in D.C. And um, 
at this point, it's Christmas Eve, and it's exactly two years to the day that Mary had died. And when the phone finally does ring, it's it's Connie. Um, and she tells him that Mary is dead and isn't going to call and doesn't want to be remembered like this. Um, now, mind you, this is like five minutes before she's supposed to call, too. So he actually hesitates to answer the phone. Right. Because he's like, I want to make sure I get this call. But then, of course, when he answers, it's it, um, Connie, which, by the way, there has been a lot of tension between them. Like, you can kind of tell they like each other. Right. There's a little bit of stuff there. So when she calls to talk to him, she's, like, able to get his defenses down. And she's able to actually get through to him. And she's like, hey, you shouldn't be alone on Christmas Eve. Like, we have dinner at 6 o'clock. If you change your mind, you're more than welcome to be there. And she really she really gets to him. And you can really tell that she gets to him. And again, it goes back to what I was saying in the beginning about... This, this was the scene that I knew that Laura Lenny was so perfectly cast mm -hmm. in this role. Because he's just falling apart. You know, this is that point where, like, all the grief and everything from his wife dying ending up in that town, Mothman, what happened to Gordon, just all of it, meeting with Leek, all of it just starts to really come to a head. And he's like, he's just falling apart. And she is really the calm mm -hmm. for him. Like to tell him, like, she is not coming back. She's not coming back. You know, don't let injured Cole do this to you. She would not want to be remembered like this, you know, and you really don't need to be alone right now. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not, this is not a time that you need to be alone. So, Once he hangs up the phone with her, you can tell he's trying to decide. He's like, do I really want to go? Do I not? The phone rings. Oh, wait, because she actually calls his cell phone. That's right. Doesn't she call his cell phone and then the home phone rings? I'm pretty sure he she called him on the regular home phone. Okay. Because they hung up they right hung before. Up and then the home phone and then, rings yeah. again and he rips the phone and he rips out of the wall, wall and then it rings again. Keeps It rings again. I was like, if your phone rings after it's been ripped out of the wall, don't answer no, it. don't answer the phone. Don't. It's not going to be good. Just don't do it. He basically left the though. He ripped it out of the wall. He and threw left. it, and then he left. And you knew Drives he was going to Point right Pleasant. Right back to Point Pleasant. Um. So as he's coming into town again, this is Christmas Eve. So this is where it becomes true to life. Um, Christmas Eve, he's stuck in traffic. People are trying to get back into town. Um, to spend the evening with their families and just various things going on in the town. It's Christmas Eve, so. There's a lot of, there's traffic. He's not quite to the bridge yet, but Connie is stuck on the bridge. And that's when he starts to hear that voice of injured cold telling him, repeating the great tragedy on the River Ohio. There's going to be a great it tragedy like hit on him. the River Ohio. And that's when he realized it was not the chemical plant. It's going to be this bridge. And, and by the way, let me tell you something. I have seen this movie. I knew this was going to happen. Mm -hmm. I know this tragedy. But you talking about me ripping my fucking nails off. They made this scene so incredibly anxiety inducing. That like Especially I don't ever. Everything is happening. To oh the my God. Because no. like, it's such it's like slow motion. It yeah. like takes it. It like actually takes the time 
to show you each and every crack, like the way that the bridge is actually falling apart. And it, it oh my God. So he jumps out of his car and starts warning people that they need to get off the bridge. And then that's when Connie hears him, realizes what is going on. And then she starts to join him and she starts to get people off the bridge. And then like we were saying, this is when like cable starts snapping. Cause that's it. That's essentially what happened is that structurally there was an I-beam that was not strong on this bridge. And just after so many years of people driving across it, it just completely collapsed. Not to mention um, all the people being on it too. Like, so <clears throat> as they're doing this is when the bridge starts collapsing and people just start like mass panic. Um, they're still trying to get people off the bridge. Uh, Did you catch this? Mothman is seen. There when? is a very small snippet of a scene. Okay, I didn't catch when it. When it's it's very fast. Um, like, if you took your eyes off of it, you won't see it kind of fast. But, like, while it's happening, at one point, when the, when the camera is looking at the bridge and it's starting to break, you can see him in the sky. And it's very, very, very oh, fast wow. and very brief. Which I loved because I was like... They literally did exactly what, what people said for the, for the director to do. Just because that's what it. eyewitnesses said they saw was that very brief. You know, after all of the things building up to it, it was very brief and almost sky. of him like flying away. It's so so fast yeah. and it's so brief. Like I said, if you look away, that's you miss really it. Cool. But it was very cool. I I very highly suggest you go back and watch. I that don't scene. have to turn. I don't have to turn the DVD into the library yet, so I can go back and watch. That go scene. back. I don't remember exactly where it is, but if you watch the whole scene, there's it's like a literal second. It's right. Well, there I'll just go wrong. back because you know how you can go in the DVD menu mm -hmm. and go to like yeah where the different scenes. I'll just go to the end because I didn't catch that the first time I saw it. The bridge, but I saw it, it this time. I was like, oh my fucking god, he was right there. And I'm like, I love that they did that. So cars start falling into the river as the bridge is collapsing. Connie gets back in the car to try to radio for help. But then she passes out and her car slips into the water. Um, just like in her dream, she's like surrounded by all these people and Christmas presents, the boxes. John jumps in um, earlier and he saves her life. And then... I think that might be where it's at. Oh, it's right around there? Right around the time okay. when he jumps, like, when it's actually, like, collapsed, when he jumps in, that might be where it's like at. Like, it collapses and then... Because when it shows yeah. the bridge, I was wrong, it shows the bridge and you see something fly out of it. It's something like that. I just remember seeing it and being like, huh, that's interesting. But, yeah. Um, and so there's uh, the end of the film has this uh like writing across it well it should uh, should also be mentioned so that that 37 wake up that connie was hearing they find out from and this guy makes an appearance earlier in the movie he's the fire chief that there were 36 people that they have counted that died and she would have been number 37 had john not been there to get her out of the water not to mention did you notice her radio number was on the car was 37. Yeah, it was 37. Um, so come to find out in real life, it was actually 46 people that died. It was not 36 people that died in the collapse. Um, that was say just 21 like the, survived? That was like the writing that was across the, the thing. I think it said 21 survived. 20-something. It was. 
I was going to say, I'll have to look that up. Um, and then, uh, like I said before, too, they, they actually do know what uh, caused the actual bridge collapse, that it was the... It just wasn't structurally sound, unfortunately. Um, Corrosion. Okay, so yeah, this is actually from the plaque that's there in Point Pleasant. Constructed in 1928, connected Point Pleasant and Canagua, Ohio. Name credited to the aluminum colored paint used. First I-bar suspension bridge of its type in, in the U.S. During rush hour, it collapsed on December 15th, 1967. So it was actually on the 15th, even though this was Christmas Eve in the movie. Um, December 15th, 1967, resulting in 31 vehicles falling into the river, killing 46 and injuring nine. Failed eye bar joint and welding and weld identified as the cause. Resulted in congressional passage of National Bridge Inspection Standards in 1968. So the plaque is actually, the plaque um, in the background behind the plaque is a mural painted that looks like people are driving like onto the see how they did that oh. that's where the bridge was and then that's where the flood wall is and then that's the mural where it looks that's like that's actually really driving cool. across the, it was it was that has to be sad it was though. so surreal actually being it was sad i mean i'm not gonna lie there was like this wave of like you, you felt something being there. It was yeah. very surreal. It was a really strange moment because you were like, you know, that happened within our parents' lifetime. There are people mm -hmm. alive that are still living today that more than likely probably still live in that town that are directly affected from someone that died during that bridge collapse. You know, whether it was a parent, whether it was a relative, what, I mean, there's still people there that were directly affected by it. And it's, was haunting it really was to be there um it's not it's a pretty it's a really tiny town so you can pretty much walk everywhere it's really not that far from where the museum is the museum is so cool it's tiny but i really i i really encourage people to go there there's um a signed copy of the uh the script from the movie there's different things from the movie there's um pieces of the actual bridge there's uh reports about Mothman from all over the world, from Japan, from Russia, all these different articles, um, firsthand accounts from people that actually saw it, uh, Mothman paintings. There's, I mean, it just, it's, it's a really cool, if you're really into the lore, it's a really, really cool place. Um, I would not recommend going around the TNT woods or wherever this is. Cause there, I think I've said this before, there are no marked trails it is super dense, thick woods. I don't know if they do any kind of tours through there. I definitely wouldn't recommend it in the summer. It is going to be sweltering and you will get ate up by every fucking bug alive in West Virginia. Um, <laughs> I No. Including ticks. Because we went in June and I just got out of the car to take pictures and I was like, get me back in the air conditioning. I am not. You're like, I have simply died. My husband's screaming about Mothman. I'm like, <laughs> fucking bugs. Fuck Mothman. I'm You're like, fucking Moth, fuck Mothman. It's 
moth. Yeah, it's his the rel- actual it's moth. It's his fucking relatives. <laughs> <laughs> they need to get the fuck out of here. Like, I was done. I was, You're like, I need to get with Vicky. It was so hot. We need to get the fuck. It was just... It's Listen, hum- it I wasn't even hot. It was humid down there because the woods... It's it's very swampy, too. So no. it just... Yeah, it's not fun. It's not fun in the summer at all. Um, And again, I don't know if they do, like, guided... The only time I've ever seen people, like, tours through the woods, like, to where the old structures of where the TNT factory are are always on, like, ghost shows. So I don't know if there's actual, like, haunted tours that they do down there. We didn't look into, again, because we it was in fucking June, and no. Even at night, no. Um... You know, it's but I mean, yeah. Worst. If you want to, if you want to do that, if people want to do that, I wouldn't recommend it. I would not go tramping around those woods because I mean, they rattlesnakes and shit. I there's like real life things I would be more terrified Listen. encountering in those fucking woods than Mothman. I wouldn't even care about Mothman. I'd be like, hey, what's up? I'd be worried about the serial killers coming after. I'd me, be you like, know? could you help me? <laughs> Being killed by a serial killer, and I'm like, Mothman, Mothman, hey, can you come and save a bitch? I'd be like, sir, could you, could you help? I will help rewrite all of your history. Hero. (laughs) Mothman was my hero. Um, oh, they also had the... They also had the actual typewriter... That Fuck off. This is John Keel's <laughs> typewriter and desk and phone that he had that he actually wrote the story on. That is back amazing. Back in the 1960s. Um, that's, the, that's the piece of the bridge. The actual bridge. Wow. After it collapsed. Um, this is all stuff from the movie. It's really cool. So cool. It's really It's really cool. So this... Okay, so they have the entire uniform that Laura Linney wore in the movie, which was an actual, uh, it was was modeled after an actual Point Pleasant Police Department uniform. I love that. Um, Yeah, it was really cool. It was just a really cool, neat place to visit, and that's a really, really beautiful part of the country. I think that part of... Um, Western West Virginia and that part of, of Ohio are just beautiful right along the river there. It's really, really breathtaking. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it, do, it does catch you in the fields a bit. It's emotional. It's emotional. I mean, how can it not be? Like, cause like I said, that really wasn't that long ago. That was within our parents' lifetimes. And there's still people that are alive that were directly affected from the events that happened that night and and again this was right around christmas i mean it didn't happen exactly on christmas eve like the movie but you know this was 10 days before christmas so this is people people did have christmas presents in their car these were people you know coming home from work and getting ready to have christmas and all this stuff in the town and yeah that was sad but the the movie to watch it again the movie was so well done uh I really enjoyed it. It was really neat to watch it again. Um, I did want to mention that the director of the film was uh, Mark Pellington. Uh, I was not familiar with a lot of movies he's done. His Really, his biggest 
claim to fame is he won a lot of awards if people are old enough to remember uh pearl jam wrote a song in 1993 called jeremy and the song was about school shootings and the video uh i think got banned there was a lot of controversy behind the video because the video basically showed this kid shooting people in a classroom and um mark directed the video and the video won a bunch of awards um if if you're not old like me and you haven't seen the video i'm sure it's on youtube uh it's pretty profound it's a it's a really it's kind of it's kind of a haunting what's the uh, what's the video jeremy by pearl jam oh yes i have seen that yeah mm-hmm Jimmy Barham. I'm sorry. I hate to. It I'm gonna need you his voice. to do that again. Eddie's, Eddie Vedder's voice. I don't even know. Like, but Jimmy that's the whole fucking song. I'm sorry. It's a sad song and it's a sad video. But Eddie Vedder's so he's a wonderful man. All the work he did for the West Memphis Three, I love him. But his voice, I'm like, sir, I can't. I just can't. I can't. Get, you know who he reminds me of? I can't get past it. Love you. I love Hootie and the Blowfish. I had like, that. I had that fucking album on cassette tape. I'm going to pass away. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I guess he, but yeah, he's worked on other movies. Um, and the injured cold voice in the movie is Mark Pellington's voice. It's a director's voice. Hmm. Hmm. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he really hasn't done much of anything else. I, I didn't really see the other movies mentioned. I've, never heard of before but he did a really good job on this movie i thought i thought this movie was i thought it was great yeah i thought it was yeah i I thought it was shot very well um i thought the script was really well done uh and i think john keel did also I think he was also involved with writing the screenplay because he he passed away in 2009 so he was alive um when the movie was was released uh yeah it's a great movie like i said i just i wish it was streaming somewhere i couldn't find it anywhere unless you wanted to pay for it on amazon prime or like i said go support your local library because I didn't have a problem finding it at the library. But uh it was it was really cool to to watch it again. I was really excited to watch it again and uh just to talk about this again because I hope to go I hope to go back to Point Pleasant at some time. I'd like to visit it during the actual Mothman um festival. Yeah festival. we should we should all go back for the festival. I'd that love would be to do really that. that would be something fun for all four of us to do together. Yes. That would be a lot of fun. And it's a beautiful drive there. That would be fun. Your beautiful drive. Just, I'm not staying at that god-awful hotel that we stayed at. That's a whole other story. We're doing a motherfucking Airbnb again. I am not doing a hotel again. I, no ma'am. prefer Airbnb. No ma'am. Oh, guess I'm at, what? I am at this You're by point, yourself. I'm at this point where it's Airbnbs all the way. And I'm sorry for all these people that are on TikTok that have had god awful experiences on Airbnb. I don't know what y'all are doing. I have never had any bad 
anything bad ever happened with Airbnb? I've heard a lot of bad things about that Bent Virgo. Ver, ver, yes. What is it called? Oh. It's not Virgo, yeah. but it's like Virgo. <laughs> it's it's not Virgo. Venmo? That's not Venmo either. It's not, I know. This is terrible. Um, <laughs> what the heck is it called? Verbo. 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 So it's like Venmo no, and Virgo, no. but it's had a baby and Verbo came out. Um, I've heard absolutely terrible things about I have, Verbo. I have too. So I, I refuse. Too. I follow this uh, family influencers on Instagram. It's just like this really cute family. And they booked an Airbnb in California. And Verbo basically put up stock pictures. So when they got there, like the beach was under construction. Like it wasn't even usable. And their their ground floor like room that was like right on the beach had this like giant seawall that you couldn't even see the beach. Even if you could access the beach, there was construction. It was with three kids, like absolutely not. And then they were fighting with Verbo to try to get their money back because they had to charge back with the bank. It was like a whole thing. I felt so that right there, that whole family story is why I was like, because I had heard stuff already, like you had, but their story, I was like fake fucking pictures. And then you get there with three kids and you got to deal with this shit? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I felt so now, awful for I felt so awful for them. One of my best friends. Because I guess that's their big thing is like, that's their big thing too is like summer rentals and like beachfront, beachfront properties. I've heard a lot of people in California use it, use Verbo. A lot of, or one of my best friends uh, for her honeymoon uh, booked an Airbnb in Florida and the hurricane happened and they yeah. refused to give her her money back even though they had no electricity no water so there was like no pool because it had literally just happened i her whole story that she told about that was absolutely insane that's the only thing i've heard bad about airbnb but that was the owner he was just a dickhead see and that's what so, i was gonna ask because you most of the time when i've heard people have issues with airbnb it's not so much that it's airbnb it's the it's owner the owner yeah that ends up being a nightmare and i have never had that problems like well most of the time best... me and you i've noticed we book with super hosts yeah that's the way to go and it really care. is if it's extra i don't care i will pay that extra for that peace of mind i will because i'm like this is my vacation i don't i literally any, the last... i don't want to be dealing with any drama that crap. one in urbania that you sent oh, me that we ended up that doing was so amazing that it was it's a woman and her son and holy jesus christ they were the nicest people like i just the cat that I think was one of the our favorites. I loved that cabin. We loved so we loved much. The cabin. We loved the fire pit. We loved the the trails. We loved that cabin. I really did. We too. really it did was like, like that. what one one ten a night yeah. barely. And then the next morning when we were leaving, it was raining and it was just like so perfect. <sighs> it was so perfect. Definitely, we'll stay there again. Oh, 100 percent for sure. Loved it. But yeah. Um, it was funny, too, because they gave us a five-star rating. <laughs> the woman was like, you literally left the cabin cleaner than oh, what they it gave was us a before. Five -star. I've gotten that. So every place I'm like, because it's, your, it's part of your, like, 
not your home, but it's yours. Every place and we've stayed, we've always gotten that. Like, you did way too much. <laughs> I'm like, but listen, it's like when I do home. I, listen, I, I am my mother, though, when it comes to that stuff. When like, I house I, sit for people, I clean their house. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I used the sink. I have to wipe it down, even though it wasn't clean before. Yeah. Like, that's just who I am. Because I feel like I'm staying in someone's home. And I just, and I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm... Now, if it's a cabin rental, I'll leave it in whatever the fuck. Because I'm like, I'm paying like, it was what, $200 and $300 a night? I was like, I'm paying for y'all to clean didn't this. Didn't have towels and had a half a roll of toilet paper. Listen, if you Becky did not bring toilet paper, <laughs> we would have been so fucked. I, I am my mother. I tell people, you come on a trip with me, I will have everything and the kitchen we, sink. Everything. We would have had a tour, tear, tear. Tear the hell out of there, find our nearest fucking convenience store, and go buy toilet paper. Just go to the cabin next door, like, excuse me, do you have... They were having a goddamn party across the street from us. I would have been like, hey. And left before we did. Like, I don't know what in the hangover... <laughs> what the hell was going because, on over there? Remember, I wanted to... I wish I could have kept a running tally of how many bottles I kept hearing hit that trash can. But what was the funniest because, thing was it was during the day. Yeah. They were quiet at night. Yeah. And I'm left like, so early. And I'm like, all of you have hangovers. How is that even <laughs> all of you feel like shit tonight. All of you. Have fun. What is happening? <laughs> what is happening? Yeah, that was wild. That was That was because I was crazy. like, no way. Y'all just woke up. I'm going to have a quick cup of coffee and get on the road. Ain't no way. Absolutely. Because they were rocking some good old tunes. So I know they were older than us. Even me. And I was the only one. Oh, yeah, one I'd the say group. they were Because they were playing, like, they were playing, thank God they were playing good music. They were playing, because we could all hear it. <laughs> At least that's the one thing if somebody's playing loud music near you, is that if your music tastes match, you're like, okay, all right, I don't, okay. It's fine. I like this. You could turn it down a little bit, but A little fine. bit, but I but I do, but I like this. Don't call me. Is there an owl? There's so many owls out here. It's Hootie. It's <laughs> I would love to take a cabin the trip again. The 90s that was were so amazing. Fun. That cabin trip was so that fun. That cabin was fun. Whose first time it, watching Jennifer's body? That was Kai's. Watching, I love watching movies with people that I've seen a, a million times and it's their first time watching it. I love that. Watching Saul with that. her. For the first time, like, for her the first time, I had seen it, obviously, a bazillion times. I wish I would have put my phone, I wish I would have recorded that. I will fight anybody to the death. Say which, and here's my whole thing with Saul. I'm talking about the first movie. I don't want to hear your opinions about the franchise. That is not what I'm talking about, okay? We, we all, even if we loved it, we all had our opinions about the franchise. That first movie get out just like that movie is in my top five of like greatest movies of ever. all time and i don't even mean horror movies just i mean ever. greatest movies of all time i have that movie up there with keith the godfather i know people argue with me it doesn't it's not above the godfather before i start getting people doing that that movie's above the also, I know. Let me I'm tell sorry, you, people that do that with movies, that's the voice I hear. Right. But that movie, but the, but the, but the, but the, that's, that's what I hear. SpongeBob voice when you start talking like that. Exactly. <laughs> yep. 
Also, exactly. coming from somebody who used to hate the Saw franchise as a whole, watch them all. Yeah, going together. back and re-watching it when we had to for the podcast I, made me, it changed my mind. Because of the fact that they were released so far apart and they're so interconnected, you forget they're so interconnected. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this is just torture porn. I used to be one of those Same. people, believe me. I was like, this is just torture porn. It is still. I'm not going to say it it's is. not. But the end of every film connects to, yeah. and it makes more sense when you've just freshly watched it. And even though we could have really done without the Sean Patrick Flannery one, I, that one was, oh, I don't want to talk about it. And in the <laughs> franchise, Jigsaw made absolutely no fucking sense. But None. It was a good movie. But it was a good movie on its own, but that's it. Didn't but need to happen. The first seven were genuinely fantastic all together. Yes. So take a couple days, watch all seven together if you can handle it. I've literally done it. I'm sure you can handle it. I know Becky's done it. You can handle it. I'll do it again. Um, I know. I'll do it again. I do it again. (laughs) (laughs) So, but anyway. So next week, we, I cannot believe we've never talked about this. And this is for the OG Ghost Adventures fans back in the day. This was an old, old episode. This was back when they still had Nick. Um, uh, Poveglia, Poveglia Island is what we're going to be talking about. If you guys remember, that was the one where Zach had the, the plague mask and he only knew like three words in Italian and he kept screaming them over. And... Do you remember that Dexter's Laboratory episode where he kept saying, oh, my new flamage? That's literally Zach. That was... <laughs> That's all you can say. That's all you can say. I don't even, there was one phrase in particular too. I know. And I he had that remember stupid fucking plague mask on and he kept screaming. You know, I haven't watched an episode in so long, and I said I wouldn't, but I think I need to. I need to rewatch. This I one. think I need to. Rewatch I think that I need too. to because I just from I season need to one, one or two. It's an <laughs> early, early one. But he had that stupid ass. That's the one where he was like, "Did something scratch me?" <laughs> like, okay, we need to. We need to read. We need to. Re- now I'm gonna start watching Ghost Adventures re- as a comedy. We need to rewatch it because of fucking bagel bites. Because those early episodes. He was so dramatic. He got worse over time. Y'all don't know half of it, but (laughs) I mean, like, the. Did you know that his name is on Destination Fears credits as an executive producer? Yeah, Yeah. I knew that. I was like, this motherfucker. I knew that because, uh, what? God, I almost called him Dalton. (laughs) Dakota. (laughs) (laughs) I need to go to bed. (laughs) I need to go to bed. I straight up was like, Dalton, no. Dakota. No. Dakota. He uh he worked with them or worked mm-hmm. on the like But that's what I'm seasons. saying though. Even when Dakota went to yeah. his own show, it's like Zach had to have had something to, like, to do with all it. Of this control. By the way, if you all don't know about this, I didn't know about this till just now because thanks to Bridget, who was uh one of the owners of the Enchanted Church, bless her heart, love her so much. Um, they went to a Michigan Paracon. Yes. And they were there. That Jack uh, was at. That, that was the one that Jack was at, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Project Fear was there. And so was Kindred Spirits. Uh, and so was Andrea Perrin. And so was... Um, it was in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. Someone else was there, I'd too. I'd to go back. I've been there, and it's beautiful. And I was like, all of our f- favorite paranormal people were there. Yeah. Literally. 
Now, um, what's her name from Kindred? Amy was from Kindred Spirits, was not there. Adam was. But the entire Project Fear was there. Oh, I would have loved to have met every single one of them. I would have screamed if I, because I didn't know that. And then they were like, they were posting on their You guys need to support uh, Project Fear. Subscribe on YouTube and start watching. Like, also, it's, it's they so... have a Patreon, but they're working on an issue that they've been. I having. saw that. If you follow them on any other social yeah. media, yeah, they they've talked about it. But definitely subscribe to Project Fear on YouTube and support them. It's still it's shot basically the same way that they did Destination Fear, but they're just given so much more. It's it's theirs. <laughs> they get to cuss. Nobody. It's nobody's. It. It's it's theirs. Yeah, they go back to. Going them going back to Indiana State Sanatorium after I need to watch that there was wild. You know, it's always crazy. crazy to watch horror, horror, haunted thing, ghost things when you've been there. Yeah, because it gives you such a better vision of what you're looking at because you've actually seen it. So because some of those places, that. especially Indiana State Sanatorium, because it's so big mm-hmm. being there it's like okay i know i know where and all of those at. buildings fucking at. connect too yeah. which is the fucking oh crazy God, part tunnels God. no anyway so Fabinia <laughs> island is a super haunted island off the coast of italy um i think it was actually a prison island at one time or it housed like the insane or something it's just super haunted you're not even you're you will get arrested on site if you go there it's apparently really dangerous to get there and i think ghost adventures is one of only if the first ever to investigate it back then um but yeah i was actually able to find an article from this year so i cannot wait to talk about that place i was shocked that we had never even talked about it but that is going to be our haunted location for next Hell week yeah. Yeah. all right guys well you know we have all the socials at instagram facebook and twitter sorry x twitter all at dfwto 80 uh dfwto 80 dfwto podcast handle dfwto 8811 got it god it's too many numbers <laughs> and of course if you guys have any questions concerns when i say hey or even give us ideas for the podcast feel free to email us at dfwto8493 at gmail.com and lastly give us a subscribe and a follow and a rating on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and iTunes. We appreciate all of the uh, ratings and everything. You guys are the best. We love you all, as always. Um, we appreciate your support over the years. I cannot believe we have been doing this for four and a half years now. It's, yeah. What the fuck? It's all, it's I like, it doesn't even seem real. <laughs> and uh, we're on episode 220 something, two, 221 maybe, or something like that. Which is crazy to me. But uh, yeah, you guys are the best. And uh, we really always appreciate your support. We still have a five stars on Spotify. Yeah, we do. So keep that coming. Because this has been incredibly rewarding. And every opportunity that has come with this has just been incredible. And we are more than appreciative of, of everything. So yeah, thank you so much. All right, guys. Well, have a wonderful week, uh, and we love you. And remember, don't, don't fuck, fuck with the original. original. Okay, bye. Bye. My bad. I'm sorry. I stopped before I was done. Bye.